Welcome to The Knicks, where we talk about pop culture until we can't stand it anymore, and we nix it. I'm Fanny Darling. And I'm Justin Hartung. As always, a quick warning, there may be spoilers for anything we talk about on this podcast, but we're going to do our best to warn you that they're coming. This week, we're talking Ad Astra, Unbelievable, and The Testaments. It's a very special Men Suck episode. Plus, Hungry Space Monkeys. Okay, we're going to start out, as we always do, with a plea to rate and review us. There, I've made the plea. Go to where you listen to us and tell us we're awesome. And as we have mentioned at the top, we're going to do non-spoiler reviews and full spoiler thoughts. But we're always going to warn you, we're going to do non-spoilers first and then spoilers. We're going to do that on Ad Astra, Unbelievable, and then wrap up with a spoiler-only discussion of the first quarter of the Testaments. We're only going to do the first quarter, though, so... That's where we're at. What'd you do in pop culture this week, Justin? Well, not a ton, but I have been continuing my Blinded by the Light-inspired uh, Springsteen re-listen. Um, I, I listened to the first kind of chunk of albums, and I have thoughts on them, but I'm already so far past them that I'm just going to talk about the second chunk, which I think a lot of people consider, like, the classic chunk. I, I mean, you're not including Darkness on the Edge of Town true. or Born to Run in that chunk, uh, so... That's true. Fair enough. Um, never mind. Scratch that. My mom um, taught me well. Yes. Uh, I guess I will say that of those albums, just so we can cover that, because um, everybody cares what the hot take is of my feelings on Bruce Springsteen albums from the 70s. From 1974? Yeah. yeah. First album, really fun. Second album, eh, a little overrated. Born to Run, a goddamn masterpiece. So good. Every song is good. I love it. Um, it has like the happiest it will always make you happy and cheer song and the most depressing it will always make you want to go drive somewhere in the middle of the night song on it. So dark- with, that's with dar- uh, Darkness on the Edge of Town has both. No, no. Born to Run. Born to Run has Born to Run and Thunder Road on it. So good. Two best songs like yeah. ever. And I just his sort of girl group synthesis on Born to Run with the sort of you know, wall of sound and the sort of, it's just, it's perfect to me. It's the best balance of like macho spring scene and sort of sensitive spring scene. And it's fun. And it's, um, I just really love it. It's just still such a great album moving into darkest image of town, which is his, you know, Rocky album. Uh, I think he was, you know, he was, had said in interviews, that he was contending with the likes of Patty Smith and, people like that and trying to figure out how to make sort of an album that fit into the 1977 well, he, sound. He wrote with Patti Smith. He I'm did. Um, it is not my favorite album. I think it's a little overrated as a double. It's a double album. We in discussing this Fanny. It's really hard Fanny's for me. Mom to is going to be more upset. Um, I but, think I was four when I saw this concert. Yeah. So there are great songs. Um, Hungry Heart. Obviously a lot of the ones you mentioned Independence Day. Oh. Um, but there's a lot of filler, and I don't totally love its kind of rockier okay. stuff. I'm not going to disagree with you. It did. It does include the classic "I Want to Marry You," which is possibly the only song my mom listened to more often than "Time After Time" by Cyndi Lauper, and uh, "Standing Underneath This Dargon Tree Just Waiting for the Suns to Shine" by Skaggs, Ricky Skaggs. Hi, mom. <laughs> um, it does. Okay. 
What I think the river should have done is release a bunch of B-sides and probably stop after the river and then do all the B-sides. Because I think it has some great songs, but you're not wrong, and I hate saying that you're wrong. I know, and I know it's got a real, Especially not wrong about Springsteen. That makes me sad. I feel like so many Bruce heads, like, that is one of their favorites, and I just, uh... Well, it has some classic, and it has some class... It has some rock classics. It has Crush on You. It has out on the street it has some true like ballads of partying and i think that i'm realizing that i like sort of except for born to run which is an exception i think i like sort of sad sensitive springsteen more than i like fun uh you know up-tempo rocker springsteen um so speaking of nebraska this is why my mom loves you more than she loves me (laughs) moving on (laughs) nebraska it's genius. I need to spend some more time with it. It's such a like spare, sparse, mm. spare. I never know what the word is. Just him and his guitar. Um, the songs are amazing. I knew so many of them that I'd forgotten I knew. But they're so stripped down. I mean, I feel like you can hear the crackle on the album. It's some night they left some recording mistakes in. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really good. I feel like I, it's so lyric forward that I almost want to spend more time with it. Oh, you have to. Yeah, it's it made a great first impression, but then it's also so haunting and, and sort of quiet. That you... There is a song on there based on a true crime that also somewhat based on a movie. And then there is a song that Sean Penn went ahead and based a movie on. This Nebraska to me is so much each song is almost a novel. There there is so much story in that it is brilliant and it includes one of my favorites, which is Atlantic City, which just kills me. So good. Just there are some amazing songs on that album. Just so good. And then a big surprise for me was re listening to Born in the USA, which I've probably not played all the way through in, I don't know, a decade probably. Um it is really great, and the only song that I actually skipped listening to it was Glory Days, mostly because that song was so overplayed. Yep. I can't get over my sort of, you know, whatever Even 12-year-old though it was self-reacting somewhat to that album. misunderstood way a lot of the album was, it was also, it's, it's the least misunderstood of yes. a misunderstood album. I totally agree. That's a really good point. But yeah. man, Darlington County, mm-hmm. um, there's just tons of good songs. Bobby Jean. Album. Bobby Jean. So what's the Surrender song called? It's No Surrender. No Surrender. I mean, just... No Surrender has some of my favorite lyrics that he's ever written in it. Uh, Bobby Jean came at a time when I really needed it. It came right after I lost Matt, and it really spoke to me about him. So I think you're right it's a great album it's one of those albums that there were so many hit singles that are all great pop Mm -hmm. radio singles that it almost overwhelms the album and you forget what a cohesive good piece of work it is so born in the usa hot take (laughs) still a great album Um, i saw that concert five times tunnel of love i I know that there's been a bit of a um, you know a groundswell of people that think it's actually secretly a masterpiece. I don't love this album. I think the synth stuff does not work well for him. Um, it's not bad. I don't feel like anything he does. I is think ever the grand the groundswell, as you called it, was much more people that came to Springsteen late and thought, "Oh, I still love this." Yeah, and there's some great songs. There are like Brilliant Skies, obviously. Um, I really fell in love with the song Tougher Than the Rest, which hmm. I'd never really connected with, and which I learned everything but the girl did an amazing cover of with just an acoustic guitar. Really? Uh, oh. And also, if you go back and listen to Tunnel of Love, 
go watch the live concert video, which I think was the official video, with Patty. And Tunnel of Love is sort of about him finding Patty, right? I yeah. think. And uh, very much <laughs> them singing that together live. And also, this was peak. Chef's kiss, just hot. Yes, like Bruce, like <laughs> with the pompadour, and yeah, the, the just like suit. And... Yeah, I mean, he was hot when he was scrappy and beardy and gross, but like this is to me like just the perfect transition phase for him. It was, it um, wasn't bad thing. Yeah, no. it's fun to watch him. Yep. Um, all right, and he was starting to realize, oh, oh, I can be sexy. Yeah, you know, completely. he's like, look at this, yep. and I got this really hot redhead, totally. and that's cool. You know? Totally. Yeah. Um, and then Human Touch made me give up this project. And I may or may not continue. <laughs> Probably not. Um, although Human Touch is a great song. It is a great song. Yeah. So that's it for me for Springsteen. Um, I also wanted to play something new so I don't seem like a total crazy fuddy-duddy out of it person. Uh, this is Alice Bowman, a Swedish singer. I fell in love with a few years ago. She had a couple EPs that were... Speaking of Nebraska, so quiet, so spare. She has this ethereal, haunted voice that can get really precious and really twee, and I can hate it. But when the songs are this good and the sound is this good, um, I love it. She has a, her first official album coming out January 2020. It's called Dream On. The first single they've released from it is called Wish We Had More Time. The song is... I've been having a little bit of a week, and the song's been getting me in the feels uh, last couple days, so let's take a listen. Alice Bowman's Wish We Had More Time. I am my weird Danish, Scandinavian, whatever mixed mutt roots uh, come out in that because it is a little depressed and a little lovely. Um, yeah. It's cold and it's dark. It's cold and it's dark. And the video, if you want to go look at it, it is filmed in a Swedish forest. Of course it is. Um, so, what did you do in Pop Control this week? I'm going to touch on the Emmys, which I didn't watch, but I have thoughts about. Um, I mainly texted you and then, like, into the void, apparently, because you were having dinner and ignored me, which is fine. I'm okay with it. Everybody, don't worry about me. I'll be fine. <laughs> I'll just sit here in the dark and go blind. Anyway, Fleabag, you guys, Fleabag. Killed <laughs> I, it, right? Yes. Yeah. We're so proud of you, Fleabag. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, Jody Cormer and Sandra O oh are not only friendship goals, but... But everything goals, just watching 
Jodie Cormer win the award for Co- Killing Comer? Eve? Cormer? Isn't Comer. it Cormer? Oh, Comer? Sorry. Yeah. Um, I had corner, so I figured <laughs> I'd just replace the M for the N. Go sit in the corner. Yeah, exactly. They were both nominated in this category. I thought they would end up nixing each other out and somebody else would win. They didn't. And Jody obviously thought that Sandra was going to win and was somewhat shocked. And Sandra O oh, grabbing her face and telling, you know, telling her I love you and sending her on stage was just swells of emotion and how all of us women should treat each other and support each other and not negate each other and i loved it um billy porter being the first openly gay black man to win a leading actor to win a leading actor emmy was outrageous the reaction of the crowd was great his hat was huge (laughs) and quoting james baldwin on stage while also shouting out pride to everyone was gorgeous rupaul also won again thank you for that bill Hader, you look great in a tuxedo um bateman won for directing go figure that i'm fine with it as long as it wasn't benny off and vice um brooke adams is married to tony shalhoub did you know that i i don't think i knew who brooke adams is brooke adams is in days of heaven she's an older actor you'd probably okay. know her she looks somewhat like deborah winger She's married to Tony Shalhoub. That's a thing that happened, <laughs> apparently, like 20 years ago. Which leads me to Phoebe Waller-Bridge is in a relationship with Martin, Martin McDonough. How excited are you about this? I am so excited. <laughs> I can't stand it. I want them to be my new adoptive parents since Tim Robbins and Susan Sarandon broke up. I don't care that they're one of them is basically my age and the other one is younger than me. I do not care. Please never break up, ever, ever, ever. And... Media, please continue to refer to Martin McDonough, who is an Academy Award nominee several times over, as Phoebe Waller-Bridge's boyfriend. Please do this. And also, please let her consult on his scripts going forward. Oh, hush now. She says that one of that the uh, the pillowcase was one of the first plays that made her understand what theater was. So, for anyone who doesn't know, he is the three billboards outside of. And Seven Psychopaths, right. and In Bruges, right. and several yes. really, really intelligent plays. This is this is why the media is basically like, who? Oh, right, the Three Billings guy. <laughs> three billboards. Three billboards. Yes. Anyway, I love them together. I want them to have eight million babies and for me to be one of them. <laughs> All of this is to make up for the fact that I have very little pop, little pop culture and most of it is, well, one part of it is bad. The other part of it is bad pop culture for a good reason. Um, MTV has a show called Are You the One? This is an incredibly stupid show. They take 20 20 singles. They have experts in really large square quotes decide who are the perfect matches also in in square quotes. They put them all in a house in Hawaii and they get them really, really drunk and then they have to play like the hardest game of memory ever while they try and figure out who the 10 perfect matches are and then they win money. This season is season eight. There's only 16 contestants. Season eight? My That's what I said. God, these shows. There are only 16 contestants. All of them are sexually fluid. Uh, some of them are non-binary. Some of them are trans. And oh, that's they, cool. Yes, it is called Are You the One? Come One, Call, Come All. And while it is still throwing 16 people who are probably not emotionally prepared to be in this situation <laughs> into a home and putting way too much alcohol in their way, 
it was also super inspiring to see all of these young people who were not interested in all in explaining to straight people their vocabulary or their reasons for the way that they felt. Instead, they were just all propping each, in a lot of ways, propping each other up and being as queer as they wanted to be. And is this the premise of the show from the beginning or just this season? Uh, the premise of the show from the beginning was try and find your perfect match, but they've never before had an all sexually fluid cla- oh, cool. cast. Anytime you have seen a bisexual person on an MTV show before, it has always been a hot girl, and it has always been so that, oh, look, all the guys think it's hot that she kisses other girls. You're forgetting Norm, the non-bisexual, actually gay from the first season of The Real World. No, no, no. I know. I get that. But in general, in these in these contest shows, this has always been what it is. There are There have been a... There have been a handful of exceptions to this rule, um, and I hold all of them close to my heart. That San Francisco had Pedro. There is another uh, non-binary character who's been on some of the challenges who is amazing and wears his his uh, um, lacy panties while he uh, com- competes, and I think he's really awesome. I can't think of his name right now. But in general, it has been, look at the hot bisexual girl who kisses other girls when she's drunk. Right. And this show is not that. And these contestants are not that. And some of them are a mess. But in general, they all, while saying, here's your problems that you need to work on, they also all supported each other. And there was this wonderful story of a non-binary guy named Bassett, sorry, person named Bassett. And they knew from the very beginning that they were the perfect match for this guy named Jonathan, who was as shallow as could be, wanted all the hot guys and all the hot girls and just wasn't going to see it. And finally he saw it and realized, and this couple is still together. Wow. It's like a non-binary John Hughes movie. (laughs) It was awesome. And there were several other stories like this. Anyway, I watched all of this. It has just wrapped up. And so I bought the season and watched it all. That sounds like the kind of trash I actually want to watch. I ended up tearing up several times, (laughs) actually being proud of some of these kids, being the mom of whom the mom of. It was inspiring to see them root for each other and to be messes. And I liked it. I also watched American Horror Story, colon, 1984. This is Matthew Morrison in a bad wig, and apparently the Night Stalker is going to be a character, and I don't care. Is it like Friday the 13th? Yeah, it's 80s slasher movies. Now, I think that they have chosen the 1984 for a reason. I do feel like they've also chosen Mitch, pronounce his last name from the X-Files. Uh, Peleggy, right? Peleggy. Yeah. I think that they have chosen him for and his X-Files persona for a reason. I do think that his character sort of is winking toward a late season uh, with the, the guy who wasn't David Duchovny, uh, where they give the background of his character. I think there's an alien thing going to be going on here and maybe a government thing. So maybe this isn't going to all be slasher films. Because of course not, because he's always like all of it in the mix. Because that's what Murphy Murphy. does, yes. I mean, the game for me with American Horror Story is when do I quit watching? I'm guessing season episode three, I'll quit watching. We'll see what happens. Nice. 
What do you do in pop culture? Oh, I already did that. I didn't oh, yeah, too sorry. Much. I listened to a lot of Bruce Springsteen. Right. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> let's talk at Astra, shall we? Get that out of the way? Yeah, sure. Why um, not? All right. So I loved it. We're going to give non-spoilers first and then get into spoilers for those of you who might care. <laughs> Director James Gray follows up uh, the Lost City of Z adaptation with this space drama starring Brad Pitt as an astronaut trying to find his last lost father, played by Tommy Lee Jones, who is a character that disappeared on a mission to find alien life six. 16 years earlier. Hijinks, though not many, ensue. <laughs> what did you think of Ad Astra? Uh, non-spoiler thoughts first. Non-spoiler? I hated every single moment of this movie. <laughs> Set a little context, too, of you were not... You went in also saying, this is not for me, yeah, and I, I didn't knew, push you into going. Yes, I knew this was not going to be for me. There was nothing else to see. I said, fine, I will go. I didn't know that I would hate this movie as much as I hated this movie. I realize you hated it more than you expected yeah, to. Yeah, I hated it more than I expected wow. it to. Okay. I I found every frame of the just a, well, just about every single frame of this movie. Thank you Natasha Leone. You saved me 30 seconds of not hating everything. I There was just nothing interesting to me. I didn't care about the pretty space stuff. Brad Pitt's narration made me want to kill someone. The most interesting thing was wondering when the people sitting next to us were going to leave because the guy was pre-sleeping. I I hated this movie. What did you think, Justin? (laughs) So I saw Lost City of Z, which I had also read and was sort of excited about and had gotten good reviews. And there are a lot of people who think that James Gray is this sort of great... You know, undercoming, undercoming, underrecognized sort of new great director, and I did not like this movie either. Um, I and I went in sort of hoping that this one would surprise me. I generally like Brad Pitt in it. I think he gives a pretty solid performance. Um, it, I think it looks beautiful. I liked a lot of the sort of dreaminess of it. Um, not much happens. It's not very exciting when it does happen. It ends, basically, uh, we don't want to, well, we'll save some of this for spoilers, but it ends in a way that, to me, felt very, kind of, what's the point, and not in an interesting way. Um, You can do what's the point and have it mean something. This just didn't really feel like it meant anything. Uh, I... It's a very tired kind of lost father plot that doesn't pay off in any particularly interesting way. It was they, so on the nose. They waste a lot of good actors, including Natasha Lyonne. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones is sleepwalking his way oh. through this movie. <laughs> He's like, just write me the check. Yeah, it is not a good movie. Um, and that's uh, a bummer because I am sad that we are at a place right now where people are investing in kind of, you know, this movie was not cheap to make and people are investing in ostensibly thoughtful sci-fi that has sort of character stuff at its core. But this is what we're getting. Like, go see Contact again instead. Or don't. Contact's a much better version of this movie, frankly. Okay, that's Um, true. I didn't like Contact, but that's true. Yeah. Um, All right. Should we get into spoilers to talk about some of the dumbness of this movie? Sure. Um, Is this where we play that song? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, so we have two songs. We were thinking we have a new feature in this uh, for movies we don't like, specifically. Songs we dedicate to this movie or songs you should just go listen to instead of sitting through this movie. Uh, I'll let you go first because you came up with the first one. Uh, did I? Okay, I sure. Did. TLC's Don't Go Chasing Waterfalls. Yeah, uh, that is the plot of this movie. At the end of this movie, we should say, by the way, spoilers, Countdown, One Space Monkey, Two Endless Void, Three uh, Tommy Lee Jones's Narrations. Expressionless Face. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it, yeah, it is essentially about 
there is nothing. There's no, there's no alien life. There's nothing to get excited about. So you Tommy should just, Lee Jones is a power-hungry fiend who abandoned his family. So you should just be happy for the life you have, which in this movie is Liv Taylor in terrible flashbacks. Yeah, Liv Taylor. Liv Tyler. Who had, like, Liv what, Taylor. four lines? Yeah, it's, uh, it does not land anything. She has um, more lines in the trailer than she did in the actual movie. Why is it called Ad Astra? Did you... I don't know. I mean, Ad Astra is a famous sci-fi guy. Is it? Yeah. I don't even know. Who's that Astro? I'll look it up. But okay. Yeah. This is a movie that just, it's trying so hard to be serious that it has no love of kind of pulp, and it needed either a love of pulp or it just needed a much more interesting plot. Um, it just, and it's just sort of the same way I felt Lost City of Z. Ad Astra is Latin. It means to the stars. Oh, so it's not an actual character, though. Okay. Uh, yeah, the, the fact that this movie is based on the Latin phrase for to the stars tells you almost everything you need to Every know. Every pretentious, over-the-top, on-the-nose piece of crap that you need to know. I thought there were some fun scenes. I thought the space monkey scene was fun. I thought the whole dune buggy But it didn't make pirates. any sense. It didn't make any sense. It didn't add up to anything. Are there guns um, in space now? Oh, yeah. There's a lot of weird stuff where guns make noise, I think, and fire in space. There are monkeys in the vacuum of space, we think. Correct us if we're wrong. You know where to reach us. Um, maybe they shut the doors, but there seem to be like baboons just kind of floating around in this ship that had been depressurized and being fine. Uh, my song recommendation was uh, Deep Cut, again, for Fanny's mom. Uh, Richard and Linda Thompson uh, from their first album, I believe, second album. Uh, there's nothing at the end of the rainbow. Maybe this one's called End of the Rainbow. There's just, this movie is just basically like, life is terrible. Um, so Everyone will abandon try. you. Do yeah. not go look for them because they will suck when you find them. They had no real reason for abandoning you except they wanted to. Ha ha, bye. Which is sort of... You know, I guess g- has some conviction, but you got to have something else to say and you need to and, earn that grit a little more. It and just, also when they tell you they didn't love you, it's okay to like shoot them into the void of space. Oh my God. But I've never been more happy than when yep. Tommy Lee Jones disappears. You're like, bye. <laughs> See ya. Um, yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah. You don't understand why, why all of a sudden Brad Pitt's so upset. It'd be like, oh, you're just, you've just released the burden into the vacuous void of space. Also, I am so sick of the releasing dead bodies into space friggin' trope. Stop it. That's a good nix. I feel like oh, we got a nix right there. Never do it again. Never release. I don't want to see any more Viking funerals and never again shoot someone <laughs> into floating the dead body off into space. And then, and then immediately, Captain's Log 355. We left this person in space. It was so sad. Oh, shut up. Shut up. I hate space. I hate it. Uh, I like space and I do not think space deserves this movie. All right, let's move on to our next topic. Uh, Unbelievable, the new Netflix show. Tell us about it. It's based on a ProPublica article, which, yes, you could read in 20 minutes, but unlike Hustlers, has some meat to it. Um, It's woman-helmed, woman-starred. It's Deaver, Colette, Weaver, able assist by Dickie. I talked about this last week. You can go check out some more information on it there if you want. But now Justin is caught up. So what would you think, Justin? Uh, so maybe should we get the accent cop out of the way first? Sure, let's do it. Um, it's first, and this is a very serious show that merits a more serious discussion. We're just being silly. Um, so Fanny had asked me to predict whether or not Tony Collette's accent was good on Unbelievable. And to me, it sounded like every other Tony Collette American accent. I could not tell a thing. I, so I'd say pretty good. That's because it's great. Oh, good. (laughs) 
Excellent. Tony Collette, I have heard her accent in past performances, hereditary in particular. However, in general, Tony Collette is a pro. And especially with an Aussie accent, which is really hard to hide, and she has a thick one. I thought she was great in this. I thought her accent was fabulous. You nailed it. She was great. Two for two. If you have, if you want to put a Fanny accent cop on the case, please tweet us at Motion and Nicks. Um, Next big movie that I can think of that we're going to put it on would be Knives Out. Yes. But let us know. What do you want us to have Fanny review? Because we'll, yep. we'll do it. We're so desperate for your feedback. We will. It's um, true. So, all silliness aside, um, I liked this a lot. It's obviously a little tricky to talk about. It's very important. Um, I'm going to say the things that I responded to, and I'm sure you'll have your own thoughts and say it much more eloquently, are how terribly law enforcement officials, especially men, uh, react to rape cases. I kept watching it and thinking, oh God, this can't actually be real that this happens. Um, And I think it happens way more than I certainly ever have thought about. Um, It also really captured in an extremely painful and hard to watch way how women will internalize this and go into denial and even lie and write things off as a dream and rewrite their own horrific experiences. I think just for those two things alone, if you are, especially if you're a man who has not really thought that deeply about those two things, this is essential viewing. Um, I will get into now my thing of it felt too long. (laughs) It was a Netflix show. I got a little bored. Uh, It's very, I don't like, the same way Fanny doesn't like space, I don't like crime procedurals. Yeah, you're not a procedural Yeah, person. and so I got a little bored through some of this. Um, but the performances, so good. Um, I mean, especially Weaver, who I was not familiar with at all. Merritt Weaver, so incredible in this role. As a Christian woman who I'm on, like, I'm automatically like, I don't understand you. And yet, I totally understand you. And it's such a great um, portrayal of this kind of nuanced... I just person. think of those types of Christian people much more as people of faith. Yep. People who have a calling. People who are called to serve, which is part of what she talks about at one point. Very much, I have people like this in my family who, it's not a religion thing so much as it is a faith thing and a calling and a belief that there is some reason that we do all of this yeah and it's so good and the and the dynamic between tony collette's character and her character sort of confronting that notion and the way they learn from each other and the way that they don't connect with each other always and the way they try to connect with each other and don't always connect i mean that all made it very much worthwhile this is good tv i really appreciated it and and I read basically that it is really faithful to the article. Yep, I it a, is. Extre- I have read the article. It is extremely faithful. Yeah, I had a couple things in the beginning. Uh, maybe we can just sort of segue into spoilers as we talk because it's sure. a true story and whatever. I had a couple things in the beginning where I thought, um, and I'm now sort of blanking on them, but there were a couple things that seemed like, okay, I know that this is real and the cops did this, but there were a couple things that were like, would they have done Was it with the Caitlin Deaver side of the story? Yeah. 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 Some of that felt a little... They screwed her over. Yeah. They wrote wrote her off as a effed up uh, foster kid. I remember. The fact that they basically, you know, tell her entire um, foster home, the fact that the foster home uh, group or whatever, those organizers, tell everybody, like somebody tells everybody in the group 
right? Or were the friends of supposed to have told the yeah. group? Well, it's not. It's not privileged information. That yeah. is not. It's not like healthcare. Filing a police report is public. Yeah. So and would, then having would they have charges shared against that you. with the group. Sure. That, okay. In group in in groups like that, absolutely. Because yeah. being accountable. Yeah. And. Uh, it's almost like a group therapy dynamic yeah. where you have to be accountable for your actions. They absolutely would, and they did. That foster group just seemed to me like the weak link. of, And I know, like, yes, those are probably not very well organized. They're probably yeah. full of well-meaning people that fuck up. And she was but in man, one of these them. people are fucking terrible. It's like, why are you going to let, even if she admitted to lying and you just need to honor that, then you would, like, how could you sit there and let these other kids not understand because it's uh confronting your actions yeah. and so they had to deal i mean i i agree with you it's fucked up but i also know that the oh you have a history of lying you have a history and so let's confront that and these are these are what happens when you this is the consequences for your actions yep. and and follow it up and knowing that she's not lying yeah and with Caitlin Deaver's performance of her one, I mean, she does a wonderful job of convincing you that she's not convinced. Oh, Deaver her, nailed her storyline is so hard to watch. It's so it's, rough. It's brutal. And Deaver is so good, and she's so young. And, and the we way can she only... pushes away her friends, I mean, I think it really captures the way that women have been through this trauma. Just don't feel deserved to, yep. to have I, sympathy. Yep. <laughs> like, I thought they did a great job of showing several different, and and I know that these were all the true women. Yeah. But Deaver convincing herself it didn't happen. The uh, the pagan woman, um, mm-hmm. oh God, who that was pagan just, woman was terrific too. She what was a good great. Performance. But her story of just I instead I've gotten angry and I'm fighting in this way. And I loved uh, Weaver's in, embracing of that character and of her religion. You yep. know, even though it's weird and it's different, and and knowing immediately what well, she was a druid, not a pagan. Sorry, she was a druid, which. Right. All druids are pagan. Oh, no, all pagans are druids, but not all druids are druids are pagans. <laughs> I understand. Um, but I love the moments where Weaver talked to um, the the other woman who I'm forgetting her name, but the the woman that she follows that case of her being raped. The she was from Dumpling. Yes, yeah. Yes. Uh, the yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking and about. And she, um, the way she interacts with her and sort of gives her space. And yes. just believes her and says, yep. "You can feel what you want. Yep. I'm just giving you options. I'm giving you the information. I'm and, giving and you." And you kept wanting her to be like, "Can you hug her?" And she's like, "No, I can't. Like, yeah, I not- can't because that's not the cop I am. Yeah, Weaver also, might be the cop I am, but also that woman didn't want that. Yeah, no, I mean, and especially yep. if you've been violated, like yep. maybe you don't want anybody to hug you. And yep. I just got a sense of like, oh my god, this could be a different reality for handling these cases." And also, thank God that there are people like this out there. So, sorry. Those are my thoughts. And I don't want to be completely binary, and I don't want to be, you know, like, gender this and gender that. But this movie made it so obvious that all of these female and these women cops understood this in a very different way. Yes, that was fascinating. And each one of them, while being different, you know, with, with Colette's toughness and Weaver's... Uh, religion and Dale Dickey's just sort of like I'm into the the science of it they still approached each one of their women victims in a way in with so much empathy yeah and they're just even the most well-meaning male cop 
probably isn't going to have that. Even Merritt Weaver's husband, and I loved it that they let Merritt Weaver have the hot, cute, dorky husband. Yeah, he's like a combination of Russell Crowe and um, somebody else that we were thinking about. Yeah, yeah, and I love that it was like, of course, she would have this sweet, cute, hot, hot cop husband who's also kind of a nerd and thank you for letting that happen tv you know and women helmed women written mostly women directed thank you michael shaban and your wife yeah you did a great job and lisa cholodenko who did um that movie with julianne moore and annette benning right the i forget the name of that movie but she directed a few of the early ones i saw she did did a really nice job and I just think that it it got home. Maybe we should either have women train men how to deal with this and really listen, or there needs to be a lot more women in special victims units. Right. There really does, because women don't lie about this. Yeah, We don't report because of the first 20 minutes of this first episode. And there's very few of us that haven't in some way been assaulted and don't know at least a small percentage of what this feels like. And I think this was a great show. I thought it was a great show for showing great friendships, for showing great empathy, for fabulous performances, for trying to get the word out a little bit more of how this is, and for actually some hope. The Since we're in spoilers, the scene where Caitlin Deaver calls Merritt Weaver on the phone, uh. you spend the whole... Whole series waiting for that episode, and I was sobbing and by the end of that conversation. Strange that you realize I realized at that point, oh, they haven't even talked, they yet. hadn't even met. Um, and just like, oh god, this person's life would have been so different had this been the person, had on her she case. been the one that showed up, yeah. And but that she's still grateful. I you figured it out and you saved me, even though you didn't know you were saving me. Yeah. And there's so much more of that that we need to do, we need to save each other right yeah. now and i think this is a great show good stuff and colette and hard stuff you did great too yeah i know that we're giving weaver so much of the i mean tony colette's but... always so good the fact that Merritt weaver sort of commanded my attention says a lot <laughs> you um, will enjoy nurse jackie way more than like in a feel-good way yeah more than you enjoyed unbelievable you really should go nice. on to my showtime watch some nurse jackie Merritt weaver is the shit Good. Is, is, as they said, bring it on, is the poo, so take a big whiff. Nice. <laughs> Should we move on to the testament? Sure, why not? Um, to continuing our men suck, mostly. <laughs> but t- although, one last thing about Unbelievable, I did like that even though many of those cops were shitheads and you were screaming at them, I liked that the show also just saw them as real people. Um, and that cop that, that apologizes to her at the end, that happened. Yeah. He did sit down with her and say... I fucked up, yeah. and I failed you, and I'm so sorry. Which is the first thing you can do as a, as a yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, so I will give him that. The other yeah. cop, the one that was played by the tall blonde guy who's in everything, yeah. he had retired by the time that they figured it out. But that he And he still continues to say, I screwed up. I screwed up bad, and right. I won't do it again. Right. Or I will try not to do it again. Yeah, yeah. So. So The Testaments is Margaret Atwood's follow-up to her beloved novel, The Handmaid's Tale. We have obviously talked about uh, that show and the book a bit. Um, I finally finished uh, the book, which I cannot believe I'd never read. Um, So first we'll talk a little bit about that. And then we're going to give some full spoilery thoughts on the first 
25% of the book. We're trying to make this a reading club. So if you have not started this and you want to follow along, we've saved it. Uh, we're going to do it at the end of each episode so that if you do want to follow along and you're not cut up on the first quarter, you can bail out now. Um, but you can also catch up with us next week and we're going to do the, the second and third quarters. Uh, we're going to do this in three parts because um, I'm enjoying reading on my Kindle so much Yay! that I think I can easily get through that. That you got a new one. Exactly. I'm already <laughs> on to my new Kindle. Fanny is basically, you know, my The gateway the, drug! Yeah. Um, all right. Hey, kid, the first one's free. And just a quick uh, outline of this, uh, you know, again, that we're going to go into full spoilers, but this is about um, three perspectives in this book. Uh, Aunt Lydia, um, a mysterious uh, character who we can only assume is uh, related to June, and who's the third character? I'm already spacing out. Uh, somebody in, in Canada. Yes. Okay, that's right. Um, so what did you think of the Testaments? I am so very much enjoying the Testaments. Um, I think probably the most interesting uh, narrator is got to be Aunt Lydia, uh, simply because we know her from the show. We knew her in the first novel. It's interesting to have some of her background, which is different than the show. Um, I think Atwood, for an 80-year-old woman, has a very good grasp of her younger characters and their voices um i it kind of felt like coming home in its clipped language and it's again spare descriptions of things i'm just glad to be home in general what did you think um so i'll start with some thoughts on the handmaid's tale which i loved Um, and I really liked it even more than I thought I was going to. I had read a little Atwood. I think I read the Oryx and Crake books, um, or at least the first one. And it, I really was impressed reading the book by how, in that spareness, sparseness, whatever, it packs in so much of the feeling of sort of internalizing hate and internalizing oppression and... Uh, just did a fantastic job of that, which I think is good as Elizabeth Moss is in the show. Because there's no interior monologue, you don't get the fullness of her feelings. And I think the book and and Atwood's voice does such an amazingly good job of like somebody who's kind of only seeing the world through the window that they've been squashed up against. Um, yep. And, but you feel all the extra stuff in them just at the periphery, like, oh, it's been flattened against this pain. And I have to look into this terrible right. um, window. And so I was at first a little missing. It's funny going right into this book. The writing is not quite as good at that, but it's but those char- these characters are not in that situation. Aunt Lydia is obviously complex but she's also you know believes she's drunk in the kool-aid so she has her own and i'm sure we're gonna get some complications with that but she is not you know she's the one smushing the window up against people's faces right um and the the character in gilead who's the younger woman like she's also acclimated this these are about characters who have like learned to deal with their oppression in much more we're in uh, full spoilers here, right? Yeah. Do you have any guests uh, as to who the two testimonials are? Because I do. I mean, one of them's got to be June's daughter. I mean, one of is one of them Nicole? I don't know. I don't know. I'm just yeah. that's what I'm asking yeah. you. I mean, I 
very early on, I had my guesses. Yeah. Um, and I and I have them written down. I made guesses and notes so that I yeah. would because I knew I would probably be reading further ahead. Yeah. I thought it was quite obvious that the one still in Gilead was the daughter was Hannah was the daughter okay. she gave up. Right. Um, and I I assume that the second daughter is the daughter that she was pregnant with that had must have gotten out in Canada, but she's still pregnant when they load her onto the truck. So I don't know exactly how they're going to reconcile that. Right. So wait, you're just saying not Nicole though. Well, I mean, Nicole is the, is the show name. Right. So, but don't they, they mention Nicole yes. in Testament. Yes. Right? They, so. they mention it. They, they yes, she yeah. gives them the same name. It is the same show name. I assume that that baby is also baby Nicole. I'm going to be interested to see how they reconcile that yeah. because at the end of the handmaid's tale, she had not given birth. Okay, she was right. still pregnant when she steps on to the, the that's right the truck. I was shocked so. by how Handmaid's Tale ends so there's not that much that happens in a way in that first yeah. book, but it's all sort of there in the DNA of the show. Oh yeah, it's absolutely. Sort of like, oh, this is really interesting how they expanded it for the show because the book doesn't really get into too much detail about a lot of it. It really doesn't. I mean, again, you can see it on the outskirts. Yeah. Atwood gives you just enough that your brain creates it. That is the brilliance of Atwood. Somehow, and and I think that it's probably the things that you create, she means for you to create in your brain, and she gives you just enough to work with it. Um, And yet gives you, if you go back and read it, gives you very little except for a perfect closing line. Yep. That... I mean, we've been talking about perfect things this this week, you and I. Uh, perfect albums, perfect things like that. I think that the closing lines of A Handmaid's Tale are the most perfect closing lines of any novel I've ever read. I didn't need a sequel. I am su- I am very happy to have a sequel, and at 80 years old, I know this is the last, probably the last glimpse of Gilead from Atwood I'm going to get, and so I'm kind of trying to savor it. Well, and it seems... So timely now because yes. basically you get your Gilead character who's basically the frog in boiling. Well, they're not even frog in boiling water because they've just been born into this world yep. and think this is normal. And then you get Aunt Lydia who has clearly suffered some sort of fall or change. But also seems to know exactly what she's doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, seems to, I have enough education to know how to survive. And sort of all of this makes me think, I mean... Curtains are below. Sorry, we haven't said that in a while, but basically, right, like we're at this point where, you know, Susan Collins and whatever terrible women in the Republican Party are basically Aunt Lydia sitting by and watching this happen. Um, and then the made- women who are sort of, you know, benefiting from it and privilege, yeah. and the ones that don't even realize what the cost is of it, like the, you know, the daughters of these people. Um, and then hopefully we have some hero in Canada. Atwood so. has made a very strong point of when people are like, oh, she was so, you know, she saw the future. She was, she, she knew it was all coming. And she said, nothing I have put in any of these books and on purpose is something that hasn't already happened somewhere in the world. Yeah. This is what humans are already capable of. This is what we are already doing to each other. So can we stop doing it? Yeah. 
We will have more thoughts. Is there anything else you want to say about the first quarter? I, no, I, think I feel like good. I want to watch watch read more to kind of yes. know more what I think about it. And we can get deeper into the Aunt Lydia yep. thing and, and her. Yep. You know, I've read enough ahead that I want to shut up now. Yep. And okay. we'll talk about it next week. Cool. <laughs> um, if you uh, want to get back to us, you can talk to us on Facebook at The Knicks. We have a group there. Um, on email, you can hit us at motionnix at gmail.com. You can talk to us on Twitter at The Knicks Podcast. I'm at Justin Hartung on Twitter. I'm at Fanny V. Darling. Next week, we will have, at the very least, some thoughts on The Good Place, which is coming back. Yay! Some nice serotonin and, TV, which I desperately need this week. And so. Goggins, which is going to suck. And Goggins. Um, so keep reading Testaments and jump in and join us next week. Tell us what started. you thought of Unbelievable, which parts made you happy. Definitely. See you next week. <laughs> Bye.